We're continuing with our transit theme now with our next guest is to talk about uh, what's going on in Albany on a couple different issue areas, but especially around congestion pricing. And so we're very pleased to be joined by Senator David Carlucci from the 38th District. Uh, Sir, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, for listeners in the city, we always ask, uh, uh, Senator, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, we always ask uh, guests to just give a brief introduction. Tell us uh, the area you represent and how long you've been uh, in office and uh, what issues you focus on. Well, uh, I'm going on my, this is my ninth year in the state Senate, Rockland and Westchester counties. Uh, the Tappan Zee Bridge is a key part there. And I have the privilege of serving as the chairman of the Mental Health Committee in the New York State Senate. So, um, you know, there's always so many issues, you know, that we're focused on. And um, uh, there's, you know, not one one in particular, but, um, you know, we've got so many issues going the tappen, on. The Tappan Zee Bridge, uh, is that, uh, <laughs> is that the name as. by which you refer to that? Uh, that <laughs> yeah, that's what we call it. That's what we call it in, uh, in Rockland. <laughs> just funny. You know, we say, uh, as uh, Malcolm Wilson can clearly see, this bridge will always be the Tappan Zee. Uh-huh. So we're... Uh, <laughs> And so, and so, while we're uh, let's say three weeks from a state budget being due, uh, obviously with a newly democratically controlled state senate and the returning majority in the assembly, and Governor Cuomo obviously being a Democrat, you folks have passed a lot of legislation uh, already this uh, session. But you've got three more weeks now. Um, so, are there a couple of things when we look at the budget and we look at legislation? Are there a couple of top priorities for you in these three weeks? leading into the budget? Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, the key is education. And we have to make sure that we fund our schools to an adequate level. And right now, we're not doing that. Uh, there's many districts that have been left behind, uh, particularly the, some of the districts that I represent, like East Ramapo and the Ossining School District, where we believe that by fully funding foundation aid, uh, we will greatly improve the really the quality of education for our children. And the districts are doing a great job, um, and property taxpayers are doing their part, and we need the state to do its part and fully fund our school. That's really the, one of the key battles. And as you know, um, it's a $170 billion budget, uh, and we have to make sure that we allocate that money appropriately. So education is a big piece of that, and the governor has come in with uh, $338 million in uh, foundation aid. Uh, That number should be closer to $1.6 billion. So that's something that we've got to really figure out where that funding comes from and how do we do it to fulfill our commitment to make sure our children get the best education possible. And given the state's fiscal picture, um, are you confident that that money is there? Are you confident that the increases in education aid that you and other legislators want uh, is actually available? And are there are there other things that uh, the state Senate Democrats are targeting that would have a reduction in funding if you want to really bump up school aid to that degree? Well, that's it. I mean, there's the funding is there. It's in all different ways. And so we have to make that commitment to make sure that we are funding our schools appropriately. And to me, that's the first priority. Um, in the suburbs, as you know, representing Rockland and Westchester County, we have to hold the line of property taxpayers. And right now, we have this system where we 
we're pitting our, our school children against our property taxpayers and the state it's not it's not upholding its end of the deal and and that's what we have to make sure happens because uh property taxpayers will not be able to pay uh the increases that we need to see happen and uh, that's why the state has to really do its part so let's shift to congestion pricing. Uh, it's something that we're obviously talking about a lot in the city. I know it's been a, a major topic of conversation in Albany. Um, you're in the Senate, and you also are part of a group of legislators from Hudson Valley who have raised some concerns about it. Tell us what you think as of this moment. What are the prospects for congestion pricing, and what are some of the issues that uh, or concerns that you've raised about it? Well, I think like the governor and the mayor have said, uh, this is something that we need to do. And on its merits, it makes a lot of sense. And that's what I want to see happen. I want to see real congestion pricing. That I'm going to go through with this plan that it's got to do what we say it's going to do. And that's decongest New York City. And some of the concerns that I have representing uh, the Hudson Valley, Metro North, both east and west of the Hudson we have to make sure that the money that's invested in congestion pricing is then invested and spent throughout the MTA system. And particularly when we talk about Metro North and especially west of the Hudson, that's the Port Service, the Paxcac Valley line, where the ability for commuters to get into New York City is severely limited compared to uh, Long Island, compared to uh, on the east side of the Hudson. Uh, So we have to make sure that we make the investments throughout the MTA region if we're going to be successful. Um, So those are some of the things that I want to see as part of the plan. Um, We also have to address the issue of of double tolling. Um, Right now, the the governor and the mayor have this plan where uh, the Lincoln and Holland Tunnel won't be double tolled. But if you're taking the GW or the Tappan Zee, you're going to be double tolled. And so that's something that we think is unfair to the other residents of the MTA region. And for a long time, we've just had a big, big concern that... Well, particularly in west of the Hudson, that we pay far more to the MTA than we receive back in services. And as the MTA has struggled, we've seen subway service uh, struggle, Long Island Railroad, Metro North, and on the west of the Hudson lines, you see just a lack of express trains, overcrowding. Um, so it has to be addressed, and, and we know benefit if we have a, a strong investment in our subways. Um, but we need to make sure that it's it, it, it's also invested throughout the MTA region. Can you just say a little more, uh, or perhaps uh, just a little more directly, what, when you say investments for commuters north of the city and west of the Hudson, what, what do you specifically want to see investments into? Well, uh, first, uh, accessible stations. Uh, right now, um, we have our, our stations are not accessible if you uh, have a disability. That's a big problem. Uh, we also, the big part is the number of express trains, the number of options, and the amount of trains that run throughout the day uh, is extremely important as well. Um, so these are some things that, that need to be done, been neglected for, for an extremely long time. I guess to play devil's advocate, what someone might say is if 
if the Metro North and the city subway system were both uh, in the line in an emergency room, uh, that the subway system would be given uh, priority because it's in it's in critical condition. And people have talked about the system actually kind of collapsing if these maintenance issues aren't taken care of. Um, you know, extensive delays aren't a regular thing now, but they were certainly a few months ago. It could come back again. Um, and so I guess the question might be, uh, is, is is it really comparable, the, the situation the Metro North commuters and LIRR commuters face to what folks who are depend on the subway system face, including, frankly, LIRR and Metro North commuters reaching the end of their, of their journey coming in and the beginning of their journey going back out? Well, you know, you bring up a, a good point. And I think the, the real issue is about accountability, about reform within the MTA system. Because I think that's what we're speaking to. Yes, we invest far more uh, uh, dollars in the subway system than uh, on the uh, uh, west of the Hudson lines. There's no question about it. And it's a much smaller part of the budget, and it doesn't get that attention. What I think is the concern that I have and, and other members of the legislature have as well is that, look, we keep running into this situation. Um, it seems like Groundhog Day. Every time, uh, you know, the MTA is asking for another bailout. And one of the legislation that I have is to have a, a comprehensive forensic audit of the MTA so that we can make sure that the money that we're investing in the system is actually being put to the best use possible. Uh, because we all agree, we have to fix the subway, we have to fix the MTA, uh, our economy depends on it, all of us. Uh, in Rockland and Westchester County depend on the subway uh, running effectively. And so we want to make sure that the dollars that we're investing are as as um, um, as as uh, prudently as possible. And, um, and 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 right now, I don't have that faith. Um, I don't have that faith that the MTA is doing the best possible job in the management of dollars. What do you think of the idea that uh, City Council Speaker Corey Johnson uh, pushed for yesterday in a formal way, releasing a hundred-page report, uh, largely focused on the on the issue and the the call for New York City to take over the subways and buses, basically for New York City Transit to become a city agency under the mayor's control with an advisory board? Um, what do you, What do you think about the prospects uh, of that? Well, I didn't get to see the particulars of that. Uh, however, you know, I've got to give the uh, speaker credit for saying, look, we've got to think outside the box. Uh, we have to find another way forward because the current system is just not working. So I haven't seen the details of that plan. Um, however, I think that's where we have to be looking. Uh, all of these ideas have to be on the table in saying, how are we going to deliver the best infrastructure possible uh, to the residents of New York? And uh, right now, the MTA is not showing us a pathway forward for that. So you connected the the health of uh, the MTA uh, to economics and wanted to touch uh, base with you on the issue of the the Amazon deal that went awry. Um, What did you make uh, of that deal and and what do you make of that deal falling apart? Well, I think it shows that the current uh, process that we have uh, needs to be reformed. Uh, We need to have more transparency in that process. Um, And it's unfortunate. Um, We never miss an opportunity like that. Um, I mean, that that was a game changer. There's no question about it. So 
I think the biggest lesson here is that we have to make sure that our economic development policies are doing what's best for all of New York and making sure that communities that are impacted are involved in that process. And, um, you know, I know in, um, in the Hudson Valley, you know, I was the town clerk before I was elected to the Senate. And you talk about putting a big infrastructure project like Amazon, you have the biggest problems when you're trying to put a gas station down the street. So we have to make sure that we're smart in including neighborhoods in the investments that we're making, in the the businesses that we're we're attracting. And so um, I think what we've learned is we have to be uh, smart about our policy. We have to be transparent about it. um, And we have to be making sure that the investments we're making are are really uh, proving uh, their worth to the taxpayer. And that being said, and and we we definitely hear your points there, that being said, once the deal was struck – uh, you know, there was there was pushback about the nature of the deal and the secrecy and, and such and maybe, you know, questions around the investments that Amazon was making in the local community and the subsidies involved. But but all that being said, there was a deal that was struck and then it went away. The governor has really pointed the finger at your conference, um, while Mayor de Blasio has much more blamed Amazon for, as he says, you know, picking up its ball and going home. Um, sort of how do you feel about that fallout? Do you think that your conference should have done more to, to make sure to keep Amazon uh, from walking away? Look, um, Amazon made its decision very abruptly, uh, didn't notify anyone or give anyone the opportunity um, to talk about the deal. And I say, look, it's, we can all point the finger at point out, and we can all point it in circles. Uh, the lesson here is that we have to learn uh, from from what happened here, and it's a loss that we're, that Amazon will not be be here with their jobs and uh, these investments. Um, but we have to make sure that we continue forward on a on a policy that works for communities, works for New York State, um, and I think you see that throughout the country right now in terms of uh, economic development policies. Like, what's what's really working? Um, what's really working in this economy that is improving the quality of life of, of New Yorkers? Senator, you and I spoke back in January about Amazon, and the reason I called you was I was doing a story about Amazon's lobbying um, for policy, both in Washington and other states, and, and also uh, in New York to date. And many of your bills were listed on Amazon's uh, lobbying disclosure as being uh, targets for them, and, and it was obvious why. They dealt with data privacy and um, questions about uh, consumer protection around electronics. And what you said at that time I thought was really interesting. I thought of it a lot when the Amazon deal collapsed, which is that you know whether Amazon is in New York or not, the power of the company, its unusually powerful place in the market, was something that we'd have to deal with. Where do you think that effort stands now that they're not going to be here? Do you see a need for New York State to look to data privacy and look at companies like Amazon and potential impacts they might have? Oh, absolutely. I mean, regardless of Amazon here or not here, we have to take the lead because the, the federal government's not doing it. And the, these companies, Amazon in particular, have developed so much power. And, and in the sense that just just unimaginable um, year, a few years earlier, and uh, like we talked about, the data data security is an issue that we have to get very serious about. And we we've seen one one exposure after the other, whether it was or with the the um, Marriott or Star, Starwood. Um, 
the issue is that we're we're not protected as consumers and as, as even as residents, and we have to make sure that the laws are keeping up with technology. And uh, I feel that we are we are very far behind on that. Interesting. So uh, we just have a couple more minutes here with State Senator David Carlucci. We appreciate you joining us here on WBAI. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, I guess, a two-part question um, just about, you know, and the Amazon situation ties into this certainly, but um, how do you sort of assess your Democratic conference right now? You know, there's a lot of talk that the Amazon deal, you know, put some sort of stress on the cohesion of the conference. How would you assess uh, the cohesion of the conference? And I guess I'll just say, you know, as backdrop, you know, that folks should know that you were part of the independent Democratic conference uh, until this year. Um, and, and you know, now as part of the mainline Democratic conference and there's no splinter group of Democrats. How do you sort of assess the, the Democratic cohesion that exists right now? Uh, I think the Democratic conference is, is more united than ever before uh, under the leadership of Andrea Stewart-Cousins. I mean, she's shown to be such a dynamic and, and grateful leader and has been able to pass legislation that has been bottled up for, for years and has done it in, in less than two months um, and has navigated some, uh, some, you know, some tricky uh, issues. So I think it's been, uh, exciting. Like I said, I've been here, this is my ninth year in the Senate, and it's been such an opportunity to pass legislation, um, whether it's election reform or uh, the Reproductive Health Act, the Child Victims Act, uh, gun safety legislation, comprehensive gun safety legislation, and uh, the list goes on and on. And we've been able to address these issues. So um, I think it gives us an opportunity uh, to really start to address issues that are being neglected um, because we see the dysfunction in Washington we have to show as a state that we can really lead. And I believe that the legislation that we pass, not only to help the residents of New York State and make sure we continue to be the Empire State, but we show as an example of what can be done. That if the federal government is not going to do it, we're going to step up. And a lot of the data privacy bills, I mean, of course, that would be better on a federal level. Um, you know, yesterday I was with Assemblywoman Fahey and we pushed for net neutrality legislation to be adopted in New York State because we have strong legislation that the federal government should do. And they actually just introduced legislation today that would be great if they could pass. But I have my doubts. Um, so we have to do it in New York State. And I think we'll see a lot of that over the next year. Well, Senator David Carlucci, who represents uh, both ends of either the Tappan Zee or the Mario M. Cuomo Bridge, thank you so much for joining us on Max and Murphy. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Max and Murphy here on WBAI 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. We've had a great busy show so far today. We're in our last few minutes here, a few more moments to touch on a couple of things. We uh, talked a little bit of transit and latest news. We heard in a surprise call in from City Council Speaker Corey Johnson. We'll get him on for a longer conversation another time, but he shared a few thoughts with us on his State of the City address from yesterday. You can read a recap at City Limits or Gotham Gazette if you 
you missed it. And uh, we just heard from State Senator David Carlucci. Very interesting conversation with someone from outside the city. It's always good to check in with folks who represent areas outside the five boroughs. And Jared, you have a little bit of an update on the congestion pricing conversation as we've been talking here. Well, just to indicate how much of a developing story this is and, and how uh, how of the moment the topic is, the budget director for Governor Cuomo, Robert Mujica, just minutes ago released a statement uh, talking about congestion pricing and the revenue that might come from it, saying, as we've been talking about, that congestion pricing might yield $15 billion uh, and the tax on cannabis and internet sales tax, another $7 billion together, $22 billion, but $40 billion is the low end for the Byford plan to to really fundamentally get on top of the problems with the subway system and, and bus system. Uh, and that there are other potential revenues you could throw in there, Peter Tier tax, uh, others, but, uh, but we're still looking at, I think what that illustrates is $22 billion is a lot of money. And it, this would be impossible without that. But it is not, it is, I think in philosophy class, you would have called it a necessary but insufficient uh, cause of fixing the transit system. Well, and the interesting, uh, you know, an interesting piece of that conversation, again, is this is a lot of proposal, right? And, and that's, that's part of what the governor, you know, did a radio interview today. And now Mujica, his budget director is following this up, which is they're anticipating these revenues from congestion pricing, from marijuana legalization, you know, the, some of these wouldn't kick in for at least another year, uh, you know, and they need to be passed this year to even start on that timeline. And maybe there should be a more aggressive timeline. But, you know, these are things that are all very much up in the air. Folks should understand as we hit three weeks, basically, until a state budget is due April 1st. And as Mayor Bill de Blasio has regularly said, and rightly so, April 1 is sort of D-Day for how the MTA is going to get funded moving forward. And if there needs to be a, a serious compromise between the governor and the mayor and the state legislature and some of the legislators from outside the city like David Carlucci get their way, that's going to reduce the amount of revenue that comes to the subways, especially from congestion pricing. Exactly. And I think all the details about exactly what the fee will look like, exactly how it will vary during time of day, depending on congestion, who will get the carve outs to not have to pay it. These are the, the devils that we worked out over the next couple of weeks. But we are coming to the end of our time here on Max and Murphy. I uh, want to remind folks that if you uh, like this show, and of course, if you're listening, you do, you <laughs> should consider supporting us. Uh, the number is 516-620-3602. I say us. I mean, WBAI, the family, not Max, Ben and I uh, personally, uh, but the people who put the show on and, and, and so many other quality shows here. We're on every Wednesday at uh, 5 p.m. here on 99.5 FM. Hope you join us next week. Until then, have a great week in the greatest city in the world.